Aristotle once wrote, for the things we have to learn before we can do them, we learn by doing them. Acknowledging the role of experience in learning isn't new, yet traditional education has often favored models that situate students as passive learners. That is to say, adopting approaches that focus primarily on the student's responsibility to listen, read, and write. We see this so often in higher education where the iconic image of the college experience is a large hall filled with students and one distant professor lecturing center stage, but is this really the most effective and inclusive way to engage students in learning? As Aristotle suggested, there is another way to acknowledge how learning takes place, learning by doing, active learning. Not just doing, though, but a pedagogical approach that supports interaction between students, encourages observation, reflection, and developing the skills to analyze or adapt lessons learned. Presented with the opportunity to redesign an agriculture course at Rutgers University, our guest today, Alex Sawatsky, immediately saw the potential in adopting a more experiential approach. I want to drop in a quote here from a 2018 article written by Brittany Rodriguez. She writes, the process of active learning activates divergent thinking, which helps students think less in terms of individual concepts and more in terms of the big picture. This mode of thinking increases a student's ability to draw connections to the world, especially to their own lives. Key skills that develop through the process of active learning are analysis, evaluation, public speaking, and collaboration. For his capstone, Alex created a course on small-scale organic farming, but with an emphasis on student-focused, experiential learning. The coursework not only supports students in understanding the basic principles and practices of the alternatives to conventional farming, but provides insight on how the three elements of sustainability, economic, political, and social, interact dynamically in the ways we understand food systems more globally. Equally, he was committed to a course design that would prepare and motivate students by what and how they were learning to enact meaningful change in the world. So ultimately, this course will be as much about the process of learning critical thinking skills as it is about the content of what I want to teach. And so it's about making students agents of their own learning, which gives them some say in, in what they're learning and how they're learning it. Welcome to The Capstone, a new podcast celebrating the creation of a more just and sustainable food system. In the podcast series, you'll be hearing fresh new ideas from students who are finishing their Master of Science degrees in Sustainable Food Systems at Prescott College. I talk with them about their final capstone projects, and we also hear from their advisors, leading practitioners, advocates, academics, and thought leaders about the significance of the capstone topic, especially in the context of creating food systems change. I'm your host, Lisa Trokia. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today on The Capstone is Alex Sawatsky, and joining us later in this segment will be Alex's Capstone Advisors, Dr. Wendy Sue Harper, a soil scientist and associate faculty member in the Sustainable Food Systems graduate program at Prescott, and Philip Ackerman-Leist, author and dean of the School of the New American Farmstead at Sterling College in Vermont. 
Alex was a history major in college, but found his passion for growing food while participating in a nine-month internship at a sustainable living and environmental education center in Costa Rica. When he returned to the States, he began a farming career as an intern at Living Hope Farm in Pennsylvania in 2010. He then went on to start Sandbrook Meadow Farm in Stockton, New Jersey, a certified organic vegetable farm and CSA. After the 2018 season, he passed the torch to his longtime assistant manager so he could focus on completing his master's degree in sustainable food systems and pursue his dream of becoming an educator in sustainable agriculture. As it turned out, Alex began working as the student farm manager at Rutgers in April of 2019 and is also a part-time instructor in the Agriculture and Food Systems program. He says his ultimate goal is to help change the way that food is produced and consumed in the world, and in pursuit of this, he aspires to teach others about the connections between food, agriculture, and community systems, and inspire others to contribute toward positive change. Hi, Alex. Hi, Lisa. I'm so happy to have you as a guest on the Capstone. Thanks for taking time to talk about your project. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So my first question to you is one I asked of all of our guests in season one, because we situate learning in the MSFS program at Prescott in a bioregional context. Because this is a limited residency program with students and faculty living virtually all around the world, I've really seen how a bioregional awareness helps students to appreciate the places where they live in so many different ways. I feel like it really inspires a more holistic or a systems-based way of conceptualizing how to apply what it is that's being learned. So I would love to hear how you've come to understand your bioregion, Alex. Yeah, so um, my most prominent role as a stakeholder in the food system, besides being a consumer, of course, is um, as a farmer. So as I researched and learned about my bioregion um, and developed a certain level of understanding and intimacy, it's, it's been through that lens. Um, I'm in central New Jersey, smack dab in the middle between New York City and Philadelphia. And this is the garden state after all. So um, <laughs> there is a significant agricultural heritage here. Right. Um, so farmers over the past couple centuries have supplied both major hubs with an incredible amount of fresh food. Um, although today the landscape looks a little different. Um, New Jersey is the most densely populated state in the country. And much of the arable farmland has been lost to that urban and suburban sprawl. With that said, agriculture is still alive and well here. Um, it's just had to adapt to survive. So the proximity to the you know New York City and Philly and the high demand for open space has created these very high land prices, which have been really difficult for farmers. Um, so many producers have had to close down, vacate, or shift to smaller scale, high value production systems. And the silver lining here is that uh, the high population density and urban sprawl provides many outlets for direct-to-consumer marketing opportunities. Mm. So the small-scale, high-value, sustainable model is kind of where my attention um, and my focus resides right now. And there's obviously a lot of mouths to feed locally, regionally, and not a lot of land to produce it on. So fortunately, one of those high-value options that can be done intensively on a small scale is diversified fruits and vegetables, um, which is great when we're talking about getting fresh, nutrient-dense food from producer to consumer. Yeah, that's great. I love that you have, you know, sort of assumed the the farmer um, perspective when you look at your bioregion, because it's it's an incredibly individual way of knowing 
you know, cultivating that bioregional awareness, and it has many layers of meaning. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. So, um, so on to why we're here to talk about your capstone. And the one thing that I find so interesting about your project is that it emerged from a very real opportunity you had to redesign an undergraduate course at Rutgers University. And um, the course, as I understand it, was focused on the principles and practices of small-scale organic farmers, farming, something you know a lot about. So I'm curious to know more about your motivation to make the changes that you were interested in making in the existing course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a strong, and I have been for a while, a strong proponent of agriculture and food systems that are ecologically sound, socially just, and economically viable, which are the three pillars of sustainability. So when I took over this course, I wanted to teach students about more than just the organic standards as defined by the NOP and growing practices. Um, I think we need more. I think we need individuals who are critical thinkers that are engaged in their communities and understand the links between society, food, and agriculture. So beyond passing along content and technical skills to the students, I want them to be motivated to go out into the world into their communities and to be instigators of positive change. So not only do they need to understand uh, sustainability concepts, but they also need to be inspired and empowered by the education experience itself. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about that because I'm so impressed with what you've done. In my experience, developing a strong pedagogical approach to sustainability that is experiential is so important, especially um, the many ways it can and should be incorporated into higher education. So yeah, you, you just talked about and you write in your capstone that you know one of your primary goals for agriculture and food systems education is to motivate students to become engaged citizens and agents of positive change in their communities. So how do you really approach that with the course you design? I would say that uh, most educators share the common goals of teaching their students content and also teaching them how to learn that content. An important third goal for me is to motivate students beyond the walls of the classroom. So when I was searching for a teaching methodology, I wanted to find an approach that not only was an effective means of educating students, but also to motivate them to want to take what they are learning and apply that to their own communities and careers. Because many of the students that I teach and will teach in the future are not going to be farmers themselves. So in their careers that they pursue as well. And I want to feel um, for students to feel connected to the learning, to be able to draw on their own lives and previous knowledge uh, through what you might call place-based learning, connecting what students learn in the classroom to reference points uh, that they might have in their own communities or otherwise drawing on previous experiences. That's great. Um, And, you know, one of the hallmarks of the course as you've said, is an emphasis on this student-centered and place-based learning. So really walk us through what that means to you, how you understand it, and how you have specifically incorporated these kinds of learning styles into what you've designed, into the lesson plans. Mm -hmm. During the research process, um, experiential learning was a common theme that kept coming up as an effective pedagogy for students of ag and food systems. Um, However, there was little consensus regarding what experiential learning actually means. Uh, Many instructors were equating hands-on learning with experiential learning. Mm -hmm. And so looking a little closer, another theme began to emerge, and that was that uh, hands-on learning does not necessarily equate to experiential learning, um, at least defined by some scholars. And, And these scholars frequently referenced David A. Kolb's experiential learning theory as a model to follow. 
and Kolb's theory centers around a learning cycle that has four phases, only one of which is the actual experience, but then students must also engage in intentional reflection, theory development, formation, and active experimentation in order to really optimize the learning experience. And perhaps most importantly, this cycle as a whole is intended to encourage the development of, of higher level cognitive skills, the exact skills that are required to tackle the wicked problems that have proved to be pretty persistent in our food system. So when I take this into the field with my students, teaching them about small scale sustainable agriculture, I don't wanna just show them the various methods and techniques to grow food sustainably or how to use regenerative practices. I want them to be making assessments on their own, comparing and contrasting, et cetera. For me to be a guide and a coach during these processes and for them to experiment and see what works and what doesn't work. Obviously providing them with the appropriate resources, background, material, and guidance, but for them to have more of a relationship with the course content concepts rather than me treating them you know, as empty sponges, simply absorbing any information right. that I decide to expose them to. You know, so ultimately this course will be as much about the process of learning critical thinking skills as it is about the content of what I want to teach. And so it's about making students agents of their own learning, which gives them some say in, in what they're learning and how they're learning it. And so in just an example, say if we're doing a lesson on soil health, instead of me as the instructor telling students what the differences will be between say a no-till plot and a conventionally tilled area, Students will have a sensory experience uh, using their observation skills to identify differences themselves, formulate theories about why those differences exist, how you know, they might impact plant health. Um, of course, they, they will be asking questions of me, the farmer, regarding practices employed on these two plots, whether it be cover cropping, tillage, organic matter, etc. And some of this will be based on knowledge gained, gained from other courses or from readings in this current course. Um, and some of it will be pure conjecture on their part, just from their, just from their observations. Mm -hmm. um, and then they will give recommendations for practices that could improve the conventionally tilled soil. And then we will actively implement these recommendations, which then students can observe during the duration of the, of the course or come back after the semester and receive updates the following spring when we do additional soil health tests. So really it's not, it's not me telling them what the best practices are, it's, you know, I'll be there to be a coach, a facilitator, an expert at various phases, as someone will have to answer questions and provide guidance at key points. But really, it's to let them work through the learning process. And this type of process is what builds lifelong learning skills that transcend the walls of academia. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like it's that whole thing. They're in the field. They can actually smell the soil. They can touch the soil. They can mm -hmm. see the differences. And that's what's so, so magical about it. And, you know, um, so there is this, this, this idea of theory and practice. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, I know you came into all of this with a great deal of hands-on experience as a farmer. And um, so I'm wondering what influence that had in how you interpreted the theories of experiential learning that you were researching, or I guess more specifically, did the knowledge that you already had coming into this change or influence, how you approach the logistics of what it really takes to get students out in the field and what can actually be accomplished in that context? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, while I am new to teaching in a formal setting, I've been teaching farming since I started my own farm in 2010, so roughly a decade. 
um, having a new set of interns every year, some with experience, some with no experience. I come from the perspective that learning by doing was effective and practical, but it was also all I had time and resources for. You know, I have not taught students in a classroom with a whiteboard and PowerPoints, but I've taught students in the field through field walks and encouraging my crew to be observant, to pay attention, to cause an effect, uh, mm -hmm. to work with purpose rather than just doing something because I'm telling them to do it. I've never touted myself as being an all-knowing farmer um, as I'm trying to learn constantly. Um, so I'm always encouraging the development of new ideas and suggestions, creating better, more efficient and sustainable systems. And a lot of that time that has not come from me. It comes from, you know, people that I'm working with side by side, whether they have two years farm experience, zero years, or, you know, have been in it for five or 10 years. And I've realized that through this project, that experiential learning, insofar that it creates critical thinkers and engaged citizens, it's also the approach that, that I think that, that farmers need to adopt in order to really become highly successful, to really, to be able to see cause and effect, um, to be able to improve systems based on those observations. And, you know, with annual crops specifically, you often only get one shot every year to observe the cause and effect with, you know, potatoes or winter squash or onions. So I've been farming for 10 years, but I've only seen potatoes grow then for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you really have to pay attention so you can make adjustments and build on those reference points for the following season. Um, so that whole cause and effect and what I feel has made me a successful farmer, I feel really closely aligns with experiential learning. Yeah, absolutely. That whole act of learning, keeping that. I mean, you were saying I was laughing because, yeah, anybody who really sort of represents themselves as all knowing, I'm very suspicious of. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's great to sort of cultivate that with your students to understand that there are multiple ways of knowing and they're ongoing. And it, and it has to do with paying attention and observing, as you said, and sharing. So, you know, so have you actually taught this course yet? Or, you know, no, I'm not sure. Have you? I have taught this course, but not the redesigned not the version. Re okay. So, so, yeah. What What do you anticipate will happen, or what do you What do you you know What do you have out there to think about? Maybe the experience you you have both as a as an educator, and then you know what the experience of students might be. Yeah. So I I did get a chance to teach the principles and practices of small scale organic farming at Rutgers um, last summer, and. That was right after I got hired, so I did not have the time um, to prepare course materials. So fortunately, the previous instructor was kind enough to let me use their lectures and other course materials. And it didn't take very long to realize that even you know, with these materials already in my hand, the amount of preparation that it t takes for teaching is significant and takes a lot of time and energy. So even though I'm switching to a non-lecture-based approach, when I teach the revised version this coming fall, it's pushed back a little bit because of the coronavirus, but mm -hmm. I know it's going to take a lot of time and energy to prepare these meaningful learning experiences for my students. Uh, some people might think that a student-centered approach or experiential learning approach takes some of the pressure off the teacher because they don't have to be as much um, of an active participant or the central component, but that's not the case at all. I have to be very diligent, intentional about creating the time and space and activities that facilitate the four phases of the experiential learning successfully. Yeah, that's a um, great point. And, you know, one thing that I learned through this research is that for this method, um, this pedagogy to be more widely adopted, it will require a significant amount of educator training. So far, I'm, I'm self-taught instructor, 
And I know there will be plenty of growing pains along the way. And, you know, experiential learning is not as simple as giving students some tools and telling them to go play in the sandbox, as it were. Right, right. Well, maybe that's the next project is the is the teacher training. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that'd be a great follow-up discussion. <laughs> so looking back on your time spent in the Masters of Sustainable Food Systems program, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about your experience. Yeah. So originally when I applied for the program, I was thinking of it as a a way to better market myself to institutions of higher learning. You know, I was interested in transitioning from running my own farm to teaching sustainable agriculture. So at that point, I only had an undergraduate history degree. And so to make myself more marketable, I decided that I should, you know, increase my own learning, my own education, but also to get a, you know, a master's degree in, in, a, in a relevant field. So I remember talking to Philip um, a few years ago, calling him and um, asking his, his advice. If this was the kind of trajectory I wanted to pursue, would he recommend this program? And he did ultimately. And I'm grateful that he did because like, while that was the original motivation and it did allow me to get the job at Rutgers, as I moved through the courses, even starting with contemporary food systems with you, Lisa, my first instructor, I knew it was going to be an incredibly fulfilling experience, and that feeling did not relent at any point in the program. Um, I remember in the first, <laughs> yeah, I remember in the first course that you instilled in us this lesson that food systems and, and the surrounding conversations cannot be viewed as binary through a binary lens. It's not good versus evil or right versus wrong. It's a complicated world and a complicated system, and that message really spoke to me and in some ways became the impetus for creating you know, a course to help students address a world full of complex problems. After this you know, last two and a half years, making my way through the program, I feel like I'm better prepared to be a change maker and to be able to begin to approach some of these complex and wicked problems. So now my goal is to pass that along to my students as I continue to learn and grow as myself, as an educator, uh, but also as a stakeholder in our food system. And I've just learned so much throughout the program. I was incredibly enthusiastic and passionate about what I was learning. You know, I would go on long rants after reading a particularly meaningful article, <laughs> wanting to share what I was learning with anyone who would listen. And while it definitely wasn't easy, you know, and I had to take a few courses off during the height of the farming seasons, it was worth every second. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. So Alex, I'd like to bring in your capstone advisors at this point um, to widen the discussion. Your primary advisor was Dr. Wendy Sue Harper. Wendy Sue, as I mentioned at the top of the program, is a soil scientist and associate faculty member at Prescott in the Sustainable Food Systems Graduate Program, where she teaches agricultural science courses that focus on sustainability, ecological management, and systems thinking. Dr. Harper is active in her home state of Vermont, inspecting crop farms and processors for organic certification with the Vermont Organic Farmers, and she teaches about soils, composting, and ecologically-based agricultural practices for healthy soils and crops. Previously, she worked for the Northeast Organic Farming Association of Vermont, developing educational programs for vegetable and berry farmers. Dr. Harper also taught and advised students and developed ecologically-based curriculum at the University of Vermont for 18 years in the area of soil science and ecological agriculture. 
She holds an MS in Forest Resources from Penn State and a PhD from the University of Vermont in Plant and Soil Sciences. Welcome, Wendy Sue. Thanks so much for having me. The second reader for Alex's capstone was Philip Ackerman Leist. Philip was the founding director of the Masters in Sustainable Food Systems program at Green Mountain College in Vermont, the predecessor of Prescott's program, as you know if you've listened to season one of the capstone. Philip is now the dean of the School of the New American Farmstead at Sterling College in Vermont. He has spent the last 35 years exploring sustainable agricultural practices, both with his students and his family, framing his teaching and academic research with farming experiences in the Alps, North Carolina, and Vermont. He finds joy and inspiration in working with students of all ages and communities around the world, and he says he finds solace working in 40 hectares of pasture with his children and their heritage breed cattle on a remote, solar-powered farm in Vermont. Philip is also the author of A Precautionary Tale, How One Small Town Banned Pesticides, Preserved Its Food Heritage, and Inspired a Movement. Also, Rebuilding the Food Shed, how to create local, sustainable, and secure food systems, and finally, Uptunket Road, the education of a modern homesteader. Welcome, Philip. Thanks for joining us on the Capstone. Great to be here. Thanks so much, Lisa. Sure. I thought I would let the two of you take the lead at this point and ask a question or provide some thoughts we could talk about. Wendy, Sue, can you start us off? Yes. Um, I would like to start by saying that I just think this capstone is is so important because often there's a, a huge gap in training about how to be a teacher in graduate studies in the sciences, including in agriculture. And so this capstone has huge potential to help farmers that teach on university and college farms, potential to help teachers in agriculture and the food system all be better teachers. And Better teachers inspire students to be better thinkers, use a more systems thinking approach, holistic lens on how they see the world, solve problems, and, you know, are motivated to, to make changes in the world. So I, I first just want to state that because, uh, you know, there isn't always a lot of training on how to be a teacher in, in academia yeah, if you're in true. the sciences. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm wondering, um, so you clearly have support from folks at Rutgers, Alex, but have you had any feedback on your ideas or what you've uh, brought forward um, in terms of what Wendy Sue's talking about or, or anything else? <laughs> um, I haven't had too many conversations. Obviously, I've talked to my department head about kind of revising the current course and building in this more kind of experiential, experiential model using Kolb's experiential learning theory. But ultimately, I think it would be amazing, as you maybe mentioned earlier, the follow-up project could be to actually create some form of training. While I have created a guidebook for agricultural educators to kind of get a grasp on what this, what this is, what this means, and how to implement it, it's still pretty surface level. And to really create something that's um, well-rounded and done well, I think will take some significant effort and training too. Yeah, I'm wondering, Philip, um, what your take on that is, because folks at Sterling are very experiential based. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the experiential piece, I mean, Sterling is, I, 
think probably from what I've seen around the country, pretty much unrivaled in terms of really having the experiential components embedded so much in the the fabric of the learning experience and really the the community itself. And so, you know, it's interesting when you've got a situation where there's the academic um, environment and it's wedded so tightly also to being a, a federally recognized work college so that you know, the, the world suddenly blend in an interesting way so that the work is the study and the study is the work. And, you know, ultimately that's, that's a really powerful educational experience. I think we create these dichotomies that they, they don't exist anywhere out except outside of academia. It seems so it's refreshing to see that. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, did you have a question at all, either one of you for Alex or another topic relative to the, um, the theme of the program? I'll jump in here. I wanted to know, Alex, how your capstone, now that you're finished, it has changed how you look at education for yourself or has impacted your lens as you look at other courses at Rutgers. Mm. That's a very good question. I'm, you know, currently teaching a class called Applied Practical Applications in Agriculture and Food Systems, and it's essentially a a math class for farming. So as I've been working through this class, it's very kind of numbers-based, and half of the class is online, um, using an online textbook. And I've been trying to engage the students as much as possible to think beyond the numbers, to not just look at what are these kind of fertilizer recommendations and, you know, manure applications and, and how to come up with different calculations and methods of measuring. And I think it would be complicated. I think it'd be difficult to kind of transition a course like this into um, experiential learning. But I'm really, I'm really interested in doing so because as I watch kind of the engagement of students, um, it's really impacted by how the class is set up. So again, this is one course that I'm just kind of taking on and teaching, instructing as it was handed to me. So I haven't necessarily changed um, the model or the format at all. But I think a lot of instructors at more kind of more conventionally based institutions, um, as you mentioned before, Wendy Sue, that the lack of instructor training. So a lot of professors and teachers are are just using what they know and what they've what they've been exposed to. And a lot of that is kind of just a lecture based model. Um, And I think that really limits the amount of motivation, inspiration, and engagement you can get through students. Um, Now that's a generalization, but I am very interested in in talking to my colleagues more and especially within my department of ag and food systems and how we can use this model to really kind of clarify because the term experiential learning is used a lot at Rutgers but I don't think that it inherently references that, that strong um, need to have that reflection and the theory formation and the experimentation as a part of it. Thank you, very good. Yeah, Alex, I'm, I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I, I think the academy, uh, for lack of a, a, a better <laughs> descriptor, um, you know, the academy I think could really utilize more folks like yourself who've actually had the farm experience before coming in and, and um, you know, not just the, the academic background that you've had. And so I'm curious what you think about, you know, what's, what's the difference between the kind of learning that goes on on the farm as a farmer and the kind of learning that happens within the academy, you know, thinking about casting this and in, in terms of experiential learning. What, I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, 
as I've kind of worked through the, this master's program as well and through the different courses and reading some of the, the articles that have been put out by different scholars and educators and people that are involved in agriculture and food systems that aren't necessarily on the ground, what I would call boots on the ground um, farmers, mm-hmm. um, there's often a disconnect between the literature, between what people are taught in class classrooms and its actual um, how it's applied in, in, you know, in the fields. If you were trying to run a farm as a business, if you were trying to create a sustainable farming model. So in theory on the paper, it looks great, but when you're trying to apply that to the real world, there's a large disconnect. So I think having, having closer conversations between farmers and researchers and educators um, to kind of close that gap. You know, I have students in, in, ag and food systems classes that are juniors and seniors that, you know, don't know like what the difference is between a bed and a row or, you know, what trip tape is, or, you know, they just, they've never really set foot in a, in an actual farm field. So, you know, they'll be leaving the university with a degree in agriculture and food systems, but are they really prepared to, you know, enact change or or to be involved themselves in, in a really, successful and meaningful way. I'm not sure that it really provides them with that training. So I think the experiential learning model um, can really elevate that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you seem like the person well poised to do this. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not yet. I'm still a bit of a novice, but I hope I'll get there. Well, that's great. My thanks today to our guests, Alex Sawatsky, Dr. Wendy Sue Harper and Philip Ackerman Leist. And my heartfelt congratulations, Alex, on completing your capstone and on your upcoming graduation. Thank you so much, Lisa. Can't wait. Yeah, I'll bet. Wendy Sue and Philip, it's always wonderful to talk with you. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. podcast is a project of the Master of Science in Sustainable Food Systems program at Prescott College, which supports the strengthening of communities and their members by helping people rebuild healthy, just, and sustainable food systems. In today's world of complex food, nutrition, and agricultural systems, this program creates leaders with a deep knowledge of the economic, ecological, and social forces driving food systems from local to global scales. As a limited residency program, students engage with one another and a distinguished and diverse faculty to build skills and knowledge that are applied in a personal and bioregional context. Currently, the program offers optional concentrations in sustainable diets and biodiversity, food justice, and food entrepreneurship. For more information, contact prescott.edu. You've been listening to The Capstone, a new podcast celebrating the creation of a more just and sustainable food system. The Capstone is produced by Prescott College. Audio production by Greg Browning and original theme music by Chris Ridgway. I'm your host, Lisa Trochia. Please join us next time. Mm